0: You're listening to the So You Think You're Intuitive podcast. A podcast to help you reactivate, grow and trust your intuition so you can live a more empowered and connected life. Join me, Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium every Wednesday for inspired conversations, guidance and practical tips on how you can work with your intuition in your everyday life. Because who doesn't want to trust their intuition more? Welcome back to So Think You're Intuitive. I'm Natalie Miles taking you on this journey to reactivate and trust your intuition to become a conscious intuitive. Hello, I hope you're well wherever you are listening to this in the world. I will be really honest with you. I am craving human connection. Being in my apartment in Vancouver, solo, not having seen anyone uh, that I know um, and having proper human contact for the last, I don't know. I don't even know how long it is now, Um, six weeks. I don't know, I've lost all notion of time. But what I do know is I am really missing people and Being able to get out in nature properly. Um, I don't have a car. I don't own a car, and I normally use a car share system in Vancouver. And uh, because of everything happening, I'm not feeling cool to use the car share system. Um, We're not on lockdown, so that we can. I mean, we can move about the city, but I am really craving getting into nature. I need to be in a forest. I Need to, um, yeah, have that access, and it's so interesting because I don't know about you, but this time for me is really been about getting clear on what my values are, what's important, yeah, what things are real game changers in my life, and for me, one of those is access to nature, and I would love to have a garden that is something that I've always wanted, but I've always been like, yeah, one day I'll have a garden. And now I'm just like, I just wish I could ground myself somewhere in nature and I could walk out and just be able to ground myself. So yeah, it is an interesting time right now. And I also shared on Instagram, a post of what my learning has been so far. And I really feel that this energy of the empty room, April, the energy theme is the empty room. For me, it's about getting to integrate all parts of me. For example, in the past, like I've separated out my creative side, the physical part of me that loves to connect to my body and this, my spiritual intuitive channeling connection. And at this time I'm realizing and I feel like I've returned to reconnect all three of them and find the balance between that so yeah that has been really amazing because I'm getting to be creative and write the book I'm moving my body every day I'm doing the class Tarantumi's a class which is awesome I highly recommend it it's free for two weeks go and check it out for me personally I've really been um getting back connected to my body that way I would always make excuses before the pandemic oh well you know I don't have time for this and it's so interesting what you make time for um in all of this I don't know if you found that but yeah moving my body and yeah and I get to channel and um share these episodes with you There is a lot going on right now in the collective. And if you are feeling overwhelmed and that you would like some additional support during this time, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with them in under 24 hours, but it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help, it is professional counselling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. The service is available for clients worldwide, so you can be anywhere in the world and access better help. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor and you will get timely and thoughtful responses, plus BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I just went onto their website and saw some of their amazing testimonials from around the world and a couple jumped out at me that I want to share with you. The first one says, I have only met Amanda via video session twice now and only with better help for two weeks. But in this time, Amanda has been extremely supportive to my concerns. I wish I would have known of this counselling service sooner. We have a lot to go through, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you, Amanda. And the other one that jumped out says, "Madeline is a great psychologist. Not only is she an expert in her field, but she's also an active listener. Besides, she understands the connection between the present and the past and also the future. I'd recommend her to everyone who needs to find peace about the past and especially traumatic family events. So visit betterhelp.com forward slash Natalie That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Plus, there's a special offer for So You Think You're Intuitive listeners to get 10% off your first month. So go and check it out at betterhelp.com forward slash Natalie. So I don't know about you, but I have been having lots of intense, vivid dreams since this all started. I dream vividly every night. I lucid dream. I keep my dream journal. But since this has kicked off, what we're experiencing now as a collective, there, there's an additional intensity um, about them. For me, I've been dreaming of a lot of like childhood friends, old school friends, old friends that I don't connect with anymore. It's been really interesting who has appeared in my dreams. Plus, there's been some escape dreams that I've been having. Last night, I had to land an aeroplane. The aeroplane was in trouble and we had to... um land the airplane on water. And then we had to like, um, it was like an escape dream. And then we had to like open these hatches so that we could escape the airplane. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so connected to what we're experiencing right now. Because um, a lot of people have been experiencing more dreams, more vivid dreams than ever in the pandemic to a point where on Twitter, pandemic dreams has been trending as many people have been having more fear dreams, invasion dreams, alien dreams, dreams of being trapped, being lost and dreaming of people from the past. And today we have a really exciting episode. It's an episode with my mum. We were going to do an episode last summer together um, and it didn't work out, it didn't align when she was here, it just didn't feel the right timing, didn't intuitively feel right but um, I got this big hit last week. Oh my gosh, we need to do an episode with mum all about dreams. So this is a really special episode. One, you get to hear from my mum, but also we go really deep into the dream world and dream topics, which we haven't gone deep into on this podcast yet. So my mum, Laura, she's a psychotherapist and course facilitator at the Dream Research Institute in the UK. She's currently on lockdown at home in the UK. Luckily, she lives by the sea there and has um, their crazy dog, Wilbur, who uh, I think takes them for a walk most days. But it was really awesome to have this conversation with her at this time. If you've wanted to know more about dream states, psychic dreams, lucid dreaming, how to work with your dreams, and what our dreams are here to show us during the pandemic and what the learning is from them at this time. Because as a collective, we are dreaming a lot of the same things and they can show us valuable information that is trying to get through to us to give us messages and guidance. Also on here, I did a shout out on my Instagram, I am Natalie Miles, for listeners to submit some of their pandemic dreams. And yeah, my mum does two dream interpretations in this episode as well. So enjoy this episode. We had so much fun recording it. It was such an honor to be able to interview my mum and we would love to hear from you. So once you've had a listen, if you've enjoyed this episode or you have any further questions on dreams, please reach out. Okay, here it is. The interview with my mum, Laura Payne, all about pandemic dreams. Hi mum, welcome to So You Think You're Intuitive.
1: Oh dear, this is very funny, isn't it? (laughs) It is funny. I'm not going to lie. This feels very strange. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to just laugh all the
0: way through it? (laughs) (laughs) Right? It does feel a little surreal because it's like all the conversations that we normally have offline, we're suddenly now
1: broadcasting them and it's just, yeah, it's a little weird. I know. I often remember when sort of you know, your friends would come round and we'd forget that we had outsizers in, and we'd start doing our what we used to call our diddly dop conversations. And you'd turn around and you'd see these poor children's faces, and you'd think, <laughs> oh, actually perhaps we shouldn't have said that like that. And now the world listens to you having diddly dop conversations. It really makes me laugh. <laughs> and we're gonna have one now for real <laughs> right I hadn't thought about it
0: like that of uh yeah having the diddly dot conversations live uh, broadcasted but it was I remember those times where we would say stuff and I remember kind of glancing at you and being like what are you saying they're gonna think we're really
1: strange <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I wonder what those children took back to their families <laughs> Right, yeah. They, yeah, That those people are strange mum, they talk about weird things <laughs> <laughs> About guides and ghosts Right And messages And messages, or did you see that in the corner
0: just then? And they're like, what, what did you see in the corner? <laughs>
1: exactly And here we are, all our favourite signs are around. The eagle is outside your apartment. I've seen one today, which for me is always a sign that my father is around and... And, and and these are really important bits, bits of our private language, which is what really surfaces in our dreams in the end.
0: Yeah, so true. It was, I just, I giggled, I laughed literally five minutes before the record and to see the eagle and I was like, hi, granddad, thanks for turning up. Really nice to see you. Um, I just, it was just it was meant to be. It was just, and it was also, that's what I love about those signs. It's also really calming and grounding and you just, you just, yeah, you get that instant energy.
1: Well, you know, you're connected in and in the end, connected into this source, whatever you want to call it, this powerful, uh, the ancients would call it the ether, this powerful conduit of spirit which is when we step in it is where the healing happens and you know it's what we're all seeking for and by healing I don't just mean you know bodily healing or mental healing but the notion of transforming ourselves so that we get the best out of being here in this this plane that we call Life, even though it's changed dramatically thanks to the pandemic, oh you won't believe this there's an eagle that's just turned up here. no way, wow, yes, there's an eagle that's literally there's a sparrow hawk that turns up here occasionally, and I haven't seen it for ages, but it is has literally just zipped by. wow, whoa, whoa, oh. hi, granddad. so yeah here we
0: are you're you're in the UK you're in lockdown and not being able to leave your homes unless you go you leave once a day for your walk and I'm in Vancouver we're not on lockdown but it is uh, definitely not business as usual with the whole of the city basically uh shut up shop and um, everyone is at home and I got this intuitive hit last week of being like oh I should have this chat with mum on the podcast about dreams in the pandemic (laughs) and um, (laughs) we've been wanting to do an episode together for a really long time for um, we were going to do one last year when you were visiting and it just never Energetically lined up, but now it's like, oh, okay, yep, this is why we were supposed to be saving this conversation for this moment. (laughs)
1: Yes, well, I mean, pandemic dreams. There's actually a hashtag on Twitter called hashtag pandemic dreams. And a lot of people are now really inspired and also more in touch with the dream world. And I think because we are slowing down, a lot of us uh, are not working around the world. People are stuck in flats or wherever apartments wherever they live and uh, are not at work. So we're not engaging with our daily life in the way we were. And so we are able to stay more in touch with our dreams. And we're beginning to realize that our dream world is vivid and colorful and is full of emotional life. And we're bringing it back into this life when we wake up and uh, so people are having some really massive dreams it was lovely to see how many people have got in touch with you when you did your shout out for dreams some of them are really fascinating and uh and I know we'll 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 get on to (laughs) that a bit later
0: yeah it was so interesting because I did a shout out on Instagram for people um to submit their dreams and we're going to Um, talk about two dreams in detail um, in a bit but it was so interesting I did a poll where I asked if people had been having more vivid dreams since the start of the pandemic and 88% had said yes they were having more vivid dreams since the start of the pandemic and that um the majority were escape dreams fear based dreams and interestingly like old relationship dreams dreaming about old people in our lives that we ha- aren't in touch with but people that we've had old relationships with and some of the ones that had come out um that people had just put in the box of what have you been dreaming about um to name a few of them um getting out of a maze spiders Faceless demon zombies running me down, volcanoes erupting, (laughs) um, ex-friends, ex-lovers, snakes, fear and shame dreams, getting lost, um, star realms, panic dreams. And someone even wrote, um, I've been dreaming about being stuck on an island with my exes. (laughs)
1: is that a nightmare we ask ourselves well yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean and at the dream research institute uh in london where i do a lot of work out of uh we've had very similar feedback on our uh when we initially said you know "Would would you like to send us your pandemic dreams and again very very similar uh Uh, responses. The X's is really interesting because there's part of us, I think, well, it it, it opens up the whole subject of dreams. What are dreams about? People don't fully know, but it's something about our psyche, our self, uh, processing our daily life in some way. And so very often, Dreams are, you know, they're about problem solving, they're sort of working out the psychological aspects of our life. They're often about fear, which we're seeing now. They can be as we know, really creative. Wow, there's some been some huge, famous dreamers. You've got Einstein who actually dreamt his theory of relativity. You've got Edison who dreamt in uh, it was in a dream that he worked out electricity. Uh, there's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, and sort of a little bit more, sort of nearer. You know, both Dylan and McCartney and other famous musicians dreamt a lot of their music. So. There's something about stepping into this um, this conscious sort of realm. Of or or unconscious realm of the dream world, which is stepping into a a larger creative flow. And, uh, you know, the world has been changed by these people who've brought this, their their dream material back and kept hold of it and worked on it in, you know, in, in this life. And obviously, there are other types of dreams. There are intuitive dreams, there are psychic dreams, there are, and also lucid dreaming, which. I know something that we're going to talk about. So dreams have so many functions, but in many ways it's the psyche, it's the inner part of us trying to find meaning of what's happening in life, trying to construct it in some way so this this thing called life makes sense. But also as part of that, there is a transformative function, and dreams wake us up there it's an awakening process if particularly when we come to work with them
0: yeah that's powerful so we get the messages that we need to know to help us as we you know as we said earlier in this plane in this body as humans in this existence kind of to hit they're here to help us and to guide us
1: yeah very much so and I think you know this is where Uh, I think psychics and dream world, I think it's all about different forms of consciousness. And, uh, you know, as a psychic, that's that, you know, different forms of consciousness gets involved with psychic work. I remember when I used to uh, just do, when I was doing psychic work in particular, and you would go into the future, you were altering consciousness in some way to sort of travel into that imagery in a way like the dream world. But if you were doing what what was known as far sighting, where you are actually going to look at something specific in this time and this space, uh, which is a bit like how um, drones now work, for instance. But if you were doing far sighting work, I used to find that that form of um, using uh, consciousness really difficult. Not that the far sighting work was difficult, but it made me feel sick. Travelling in that form of consciousness made me actually feel quite sick because you were actually moving in this time and this space. And there was something really what I would call wobbly about it. Oh, interesting. uh, Yeah, that I didn't like.
0: Yeah, so interesting. And they, you know, and governments. The police use psychics and intuitives to help them specifically with that work as well. To go and as you say, as uh to go and look at things on this plane and 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 see what's happening is uh yeah, it's an interesting yeah, I don't get when I do that, um I don't yeah, I don't get that wobble um of being of being there. So it's interesting. I I love how we all experience the the energies different when that happens.
1: Yeah. 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 It's a bit like a bandwidth, isn't it? On a radio, radio, you know, we want radio waves coming on different bandwidths and whatnot. And I think the consciousness is the same. So when we're sleeping, uh, so and obviously, you know, there is the whole there's the whole neuroscience around sleeping. Not a lot is actually known scientifically about it, other than we have REM sleep and non REM REM sleep, and our deepest dreams are normally are in REM sleep. And uh, the sort of para-activity, like sleepwalking, talking in your sleep, moving in your sleep, that often happens in non-REM sleep. Uh, but they're all different tunes of consciousness, I think. And, uh, and there's something about the dream world and stepping into that psychic space I don't think the Dal is very different, personally.
0: No, I agree with you. I really feel that. I'm it's the same energy of being in the dream and and being in that psychic energy in a wake state feels very similar, which is why I mean I personally feel that recording your dreams and and consciously choosing to work within your dreams if you can is a great way to reactivate your own intuitive gifts because if you're connecting to that energy and dream state it's then easier to bring it back in awake state and work with it
1: yeah exactly and there's something like when you're working uh when a psychic works with visualization work for instance then I think and anybody who likes to work with visualizations, there's that moment uh, between sleep and awake, that's, that sort of liminal space, uh, which is often where lucid dreaming then comes into play. Uh, but there's something very similar about uh, visualization work and that space and active lucid dreamers, people who actually practice and play with it. There are people as part of the Dream Research Institute that do that and who are studying lucid dreams um so what
0: does the, let's um let's just jump in and just describe I mean what for you personally what does what does lucid dreaming what does that mean for you because it's funny I never realized as a kid that I lucid dreamed and I used to share and then it was only when I shared my dreams with people they were like
1: you did what? Like, <laughs> like
0: what happened? Do you remember that dream I used to tell you or oh, you might not? Um, the one about the mercury where I used to imagine the mercury and I'd become the mercury and I would go down to this like cellular level of that. That was always, that was yeah, one dream yeah. that I always remember of like becoming the mercury, this silvery mercury liquid that I could then like move and transform and transmute. Yeah, it's, it's such a childhood dream that I always
1: remember. Remember, yeah, very powerful dream, great psychic dream as well. But uh, yes, uh, that's you getting in touch, arguably, with your essential self, the essence of of you. And I think children. uh, A lot of people think that children can't lucid dream. I think they do. I did as a child, and I remember once saying this to a dream a lucid dream scientist, and they looked at me with surprise, but I remember really getting involved with uh, my dream. So lucid dreaming is where you know that you're dreaming. You are awake in the dream, and you're awake watching yourself dreaming. And uh, as a result, you can go in and interact with the dream. And that is really powerful, and there's a massive research movement looking at this now. So when I'm working with uh, therapy clients, and I'm doing dream therapy of some uh, dream therapy, which is an important, I think it's probably one of the most a single biggest things you can offer a client as a psychotherapist is to work with dreams. It's it's Jungian, but they're we we, uh, where I've trained, which is part of the Dream Research Institute, we teach a technique called the waking dream technique, which is based on lucid dreaming. And what you do is the, the client tells you the dream, and then you it, it gives them a feel of being in a, it's in a sort of like a visualized sort of meditational type of space. And then we go back into the dream together and interact with it to change the ending or try something out. And that's getting really involved with the psyche and helping helping some form of transformation to happen. Really powerful with people, for instance, who have nightmares. And that's what we do in lucid dreaming. You can go back into the dream and actively get involved with it, which, as you know, as you said, as a child, is, is hugely powerful. And I think kids can do this. Yeah. I just think we lose touch with it like we do. You know, I think we're all psychic and we're all connected until about five when we go to school and these sort of invisible psychic cords get sort of cut up a bit and we we and we start to doubt the gift of, of sixth sense, if you want to call it that.
0: Yeah, massively. I remember as a kid I used to always have um, – um this not very nice man visit my dreams um and it was always the same room he'd turn up in the same way he had a very distinctive energy to him and it would really he would be the basis of most of my nightmares as a kid and I remember before I went to bed one evening being like and I remember doing this consciously myself I think I was yeah, I must have been about eight or nine. And I said, okay, I'm done with this. And I remember being in the dream and um, I had the confidence to turn around and say to him, I'm not scared of you and we're not doing this anymore. You don't scare me. And um, he never came back. And the recurring, the recurring nightmare dream um, stopped and that energy never came back. And I never experienced that man in my dreams ever again.
1: Exactly that. That's a sort of a wonderful example of the waking dream technique. <laughs> and uh but uh and also the power of lucid dreaming. And uh what is really interesting is that lucid dreamers, people like uh if anybody wants to go and find out more about it, Robert Wagner in in the States has written several books around it, which you can find you know online. And he and a a, a cohort of his have done, obviously, they're doing a lot of research on this. But what they have found, and this is the bit which for psychics is really interesting, is that when they go into the lucid space and they are very proactive with the dream, in the end, the dream disappears and they are left in this space, which psychics know well, where they then meet guides. And uh, a lot of them have had very active involvement with meeting guides, people on whatever you want to call the other side, as uh, yes, you and I have called it since <laughs> since you were a, a kid. You know, people on the other side, on the other side of what you know, whatever this plane of existence <laughs> is, where they have actively met regular guides and had conversations with them.
0: Yeah. And having that interaction in dream state and being open to it in dream state. And I, you know, I feel that there's that element of, again, because we're so more open in the dream state to be able to meet these people and receive these people and communicate with them in that space too. Yeah,
1: it uh, reminds me of, uh, oh, gosh, I've forgotten his name, somebody who was working with clients, a psychiatrist, and when he put them in a meditate, um, it was, oh. His name's Weiss. He was the main guy behind. Oh, Brian uh, Weiss, Many Lives, Many Masters. Exactly. It's exactly the same type of space when he then realised that beyond the patient, he was actually talking to to their guides in some way, and he then realised that there were past lives, but beyond the past lives, there were also guides. And I, uh, you know, having worked with my own guide for a long time, uh, I found that really, really powerful. And uh, I found him quite inspirational when I first got back into this type of work.
0: Interesting. And does your guide
1: show up for you in your dreams? Yes, he does actually. And in fact, you know, he was, uh, it's helped me get involved in this, uh, in many ways, with the sort of dream work that I'm doing. My guide. Uh, is asclepion he's the god of healing and uh, i never forget when i first met him when i first went back to circle and i sensed he was around when i was a kid and when i was a teenager and whatnot and uh i'm quite as you probably know i'm as you what well, you do know <laughs> <laughs> I'm precise and I like to research things and make sure that they're accurate. And uh, I remember my first going to circle, we had the, and I think you've done it, where you have the light on your head and you call your guides in and you shine the the sort of imaginary light up and down to see if you can see them. And he showed me his feet and he was wearing these Greek sandals. <laughs> and... Uh, I sort of laughed about them and whatnot. And then I realised he was wearing this sort of Greek outfit. And um then when I I asked him his name as as we were told to do by the woman running the circle and he uh Karen, and uh, he's he said, oh, my name's a schleppis." He said, don't worry, you're going to go and look it up anyway so you'll find out all about me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still quite sort of direct like that all the time. And so I did, and I... It was really interesting. So I read about Asclepius and the Asclepions, which were the green, the dream temples that are around the Mediterranean. And Asclepius had a massive cult. I mean, it was it was the forerunner of modern day hospitals. And in fact, they were quite amazing places. I think there are over three hundred in the Mediterranean in that time, all dedicated to. Uh, Asclepius and they were prototype hospitals spas uh entertainment centers uh the famous one being epidavros which is uh on, on the north west of the mainland greece and uh, and Epidavros was, it's still got one of the biggest amphitheatres in the world there. Uh, And so if you were ill or ailing or afflicted in any way, you would go to an Asclepion, and, uh, you would talk to the doctors that were there and the therapists. In fact, they were known as psychotherapists, which were the people <laughs> who analyzed your dreams, which is where psychotherapist comes from. And you would basically tell them, you tell them what was wrong any dreams that you had and then you'd go off and be entertained for the day it's a bit like going to the cinema or whatever you'd listen to concerts and see plays and you'd have massages and healing and you know lots of body work so all the stuff that we go to a spa for now and then you would go back to your guide at night your psychotherapute, and uh you would then uh talk about your day, talk about anything that came up that you found interesting. And then you would climb into your abaton, your dream chamber, and you would sleep. And then the next day, you would take your dreams back to the psychotherapeutes who would also dream in a chamber nearby, and your dreams would be analysed. And... That was the basis, really, of what the Asclepions and the sort of prototype hospitals were about, and in particular, the Greeks were really interested in certain key images, which is the uh, I th- which was one of the dreams we've we've had a look at that we're going to talk later. It was I, I found interesting because it was one of the key images from the Asclepian techniques. So they were interested in whether Asclepius the god turned up in the dream, whether there was a dog, dogs were very powerful healing images, snakes, also powerful images. And in fact, you know, the sign for the doctor is the caduceus with the snakes pulling up. That comes from the Asclepian imagery. It's one of the early signs for healing and for for medicine. Uh, The cockerel was another key image. And also the young boy, often a dwarf-shaped boy called uh, Telephorus, who was meant to be the son of Asclepius. So uh, one of the dreams we're going to look at in a minute is uh, has a young boy in there, which I found very interesting because it is one of the critical images for Asclepian healing. So basically, they they would keep going back into these wonderful sleeping chambers known as abatons, which I, I love the sound of it, until they started getting this type of imagery. And it was seen that, that you would spend the day working on your body, being entertained, all to help you stand in that creative, physical flow so that your own personal dream language... With some of these images would come through uh, until you got the healing that you needed. Uh, I I think they're pretty amazing places. So uh, (laughs) I know I'm going on a bit, but uh, (laughs) as you can see, it's a subject I love. (laughs) uh, That's cool, interesting stuff, (laughs) Mum. Yes, exactly. Anyway, after I met my guide and I went off just as you said and researched it, was absolutely amazed. On the radio here in the UK. There's Radio 4, which is part of the BBC. And uh, there was a program about the ancient dreaming techniques. I was driving my car and I was thinking, oh, my God, this is a bit spooky. That's just what's come up for me in this thing called Circle. And it was talking about Asclepion. But the prototype of Asclepion was Imhotep, who was the ancient Egyptian who uh, used, again, dream healing as part of uh as part of their their sort of medical approach to to, to general healing uh, he was also uh he had his temple at sakara which was the first step pyramid of which he was meant to have um uh, built as an uh, as an architect, as well as being a, a physician and healing to the pharaoh, and there are a few people who've wondered whether he is the Joseph of the Joseph Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, from the Bible. But I, I think a lot of classicists, you know, are dispelling that. Really, I, yeah. think, I think there are lots of there are many centuries apart, probably from those two figures. But it's interesting because the notion of dreaming as healing has been embedded in probably every ancient civilization the first nations believed in healing sh- shamans believed in dream healing so you know it's been an intrinsic part of our uh of us healing in whatever way whatever we mean by healing uh for you know thousands of years yeah and it's and it's
0: interesting that in a time of crisis um, the, what we're experiencing now, the dreams increase, but it's also provided that the crisis is happening on the outside, but we're also being to offer, offered an opportunity to look at our own healing on the inside at the same time, which I think is really powerful as a collective that we then have these, you know, collective dreams, but we're also... You know, we're tapping into that collective dream energy um, because we dream collectively, um, as well as then looking at it, looking at it on a individual healing basis.
1: Yeah, exactly, uh, 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 and again, that's exactly what Jung was really interested in, was the notion of the collective, the collective archetype, and as you say, although we're all having our own individual healing dreams, collectively, that energy produces a collective sense of healing, and there are so many parallels of, of imagery that's been reported back of people you know, having very similar uh, similar images and symbolism coming up. Up. And uh, yes, I think there is something that, that in the ancient Greeks, in particular, and the ancient Egyptians, part of why the um, psychotherapeutes would sleep. By the apatons, was they were interested not just in the individual's dream, but in the collective sharing of whether there was something for a collective healing as well. And when I've uh, played with this sort of, you know, from a research point of view, it's always been interesting that individually people have got what they've needed from the process during retreats or whatever, but also there's been a collective healing for the group as well. And so when I sort of kick off these uh uh weekends, I go around and I ask people, you know, what what individually do you want to check in? What would you like to explore this weekend? As they would have done in um in places the Asclepions like Epidavros. But I also are very mindful of what is is happening within the group, and whether there's one particular person that might need group healing in their dream, or the group itself, and that also is a, a, a massive research subject, which again the ancients fully understood, and I think you, we're seeing in the pandemic dreams.
0: Yeah, and even I mean we've talked about this before around how, um, on the build up to nine eleven. I guess prophetic dreams or is it just collective dreaming there was a lot of people recording the same dreams before things um happened in the exterior collective as well
1: yeah there has been quite a lot of research around the nine eleven dreams and I found myself and other psychics when we uh I, when I read some of the material that came out, but also what we ourselves had reported, we all that night, depending on where we were in the world, we all that night had, it was it was, it was was really weird. It was a bit like the Eye of Soros. It was like something out of Lord of the, the, the Rings. I found that I had this eye coming in, just checking where I was, what was happening. It was so powerful, it woke me up. And uh, I remember feeling distinctly, it was one of those dreams, I think, which a lot of psychics would probably check in and and people who who work regularly with their dreams. It was one of those dreams that had that prophetic feel, that it leaves you with that slightly disturbed, uh, you know, when you're resonating in a slightly different way because you know something's going to happen. And I distinctly felt like that. The, the night before 9-11, and I wasn't in the UK. I was in Europe, and uh, but when I spoke to other people within the psychic community, we were all reporting very similar material, which I found quite interesting. Again, before the tsunami, a lot of particular psychics and people who work with their dreams had sensed and felt this massive, overwhelming sort of body of water coming coming towards them now i know people regularly do dream that and particularly if you're uh, in a very traumatized state for whatever reason um if it's if life has become a, a emotionally very difficult to handle very often we'll have you know huge water dreams because the water often represents the emotional self
0: yeah. Hey, I'm, I always have my tsunami dreams. If, any, if It's so, oh man, those tsunami dreams get me every time. It's just, and they're so, they're so prophetic in them as well. It's, it's so, yeah, they really do. They show up and they always give me the insight that I need within my own life. When I see those tsunami dreams, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's powerful, whether you live or whether you die in yeah, them yeah. too.
1: And there's something that brings us onto the, brings me onto the notion of symbolism in dreams because people often say to me, oh, I dream this, or uh, oh, I've looked it up in a dream journal. Oh, yeah. And at the Dream Research Institute, what we try to sort of, help people see is that you have your own private language first of all before if i'm working with somebody with with their dream before i you know we even go and have a look at what the symbolism generally might mean i always ask people what does it mean for you because it will have within your own embedded, within your own psyche, your own embedded sort of private symbolic language, somewhere in there will be a distinct meaning for you before we say, oh, snakes are always bad or snakes are, or whatever, you know. As the ancients will tell you, you know, snakes can have all sorts of meanings. And actually, for the ancient Greeks, if you dreamt of a snake, it was a it was a sign of transformation and that healing was present. So we have to be careful with symbolism. But generally, uh, there are some symbols, as Jung would say, that are um, are archetypal. And I think by that it's because they have a collective energy which transcends time space it works beyond it's transhistoric in that um you know you could take the image for instance for christ you know that whether you're a christian or not that image uh, as a as a symbol is often seen as a symbol of resurrection obviously but also of the notion of christ consciousness of of sacrifice and so there are some symbols that are very personal but also they will have a huge collective meaning as well mm.
0: This episode is brought to you by Skillshare and with everything that's happening in the world, we're at home and we have the space to explore new skills, connect with our creativity and reignite those old passions that we have been putting off and Skillshare is an online community where millions of people from all over the world are coming together to get Creative. They have thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics like design, illustration, writing, video, photography, lifestyle topics, and so much more. What's different about Skillshare is that you can also interact online with the community and share what you are learning too. And I love this interactive element. I've signed up, I've got two months free, and the classes that I am really drawn to are Creative Writing for All, a 10-day journaling challenge, Drawing as Self-Discovery. Last year, I really tapped back into painting again, and so I'm going to be using Skillshare to um, improve my drawing skills. And the other one that really jumped out to me, they have a course called Happy Houseplants, caring for your plants. Um, My plants need some more TLC. So I am going to definitely be checking out the Happy Houseplants class. Why I love getting creative is for me personally, it allows me to have a deeper connection to my intuition um, and a greater way of expressing myself. I know that when I'm really allowing myself to tap into the creativity and my imagination, it heightens my intuitive gifts. So for all listeners, you can explore your creativity and get two free months yes two free months of premium membership at skillshare.com forward slash natalie yeah that's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free so get started and join today by heading to skillshare.com forward slash natalie that's two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com forward slash Natalie. And for people that don't know who Jung is, can you give a little brief. Um, hey, I know you. Um, I, I, as I said the word brief, I was like, "Hang on a second, that like, hey, mum's a mom's a right Virgo rising, like me. So she's gonna get into the details with things, and um, and she's an, aqua- an Aquarius sun. So you got an Aquarius sun and a rising Virgo, um, <laughs> and also I remember that um, Ray, my sister, and I got you the uh, the red book, the young red book, and I remember seeing your I face like light, light up it was like a kid at christmas um <laughs> giving you that book but who is young oh. and what are they about
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow it's a big subject i know but <laughs> just my just rise wants to go into all the details yeah yeah but, but just uh, roughly
0: like because you've mentioned you know young and in reference to young but just on a you
1: know brief yeah. overview who are they so, in the early days of psychology and psychotherapy, you had both Jung and Freud, and uh, both deeply, deeply fascinated by dreams and the power of the dream, particularly in terms of uh, interpreting dreams to to help what then they would call them patients. Obviously, we do, you know, we, we call it, we say that people are our clients now. But uh, Jung and Freud both developed different aspects of psychotherapy. And uh, again, as I said, both interested in dreams. Freud was very interested in the sort of sexual side of our sexual development. And Jung was very much uh, interested more in symbolism and the notion of the, the archetypal heat of archetypal healing. Uh, the, oh, I mean, it's such a massive subject, guys. Just go out, <laughs> Google, read <laughs> read and sort of see what you want to take. But. Uh, uh, Jung in particular, Jung's symbolism, very, very powerful. And uh, so I work as a transpersonal psychotherapist. I'm not a, a specific Jungian um, psychoanalyst, but uh, transpersonal psychotherapy works in a very similar way. We're inter- I would say to clients, I'm interested in you, mind, body, and soul. And Jung was very interested in the notion of the psyche. And uh, took a and also alchemy, which again is a na- another massive subject that involves deep symbolism that people will often find recur in their dreams as well. Uh, and the alchemists were, you know, about again how do you transform the self big s self,
0: right because in the end if we're looking back at what the egyptians and the greeks and we're talking about the alchemists and as i look out the window i can see the eagle again um (laughs) uh, (laughs) um (laughs) it is about transformation like in the end all of this is back into us talking about transforming and in fact i can see three eagles now out of my window um Oh uh, yeah, it's about transformation and the power of transformation, and realizing that we do
1: have the power to transform ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you are philosophically with this and where you are spiritually with with this, with this. But it, arguably, our quest is, you know, as one. Uh, a psychotherapist wrote you know man's search for meaning how we are desperate to try and make meaning out of this but also we want to there's an innate often for many people there's an innate sense of self improvement self development getting something more out of this thing called life spiritually but one of a better description you know and for some people This life round, it's not just about the material world, but it's about a spiritual life as well, Uh, either conscious or unconscious spiritual life. And uh, we might, you know, the theory, well, the thought is that we want to make the most of ourselves, to, to be the best of ourselves, whatever that is, whatever that means to us. And a lot of us get lost in that quest in some way yeah big time yeah and how we can come back to the self
0: and hey and dreams are part of you know coming back to the self and discovering that for you um for you mum what what's your craziest dreams what kind of cool dream memories do you have for working with your own dreams
1: Oh gosh, it's funny, I was thinking about this and uh, thinking, God, you know, I've been around for quite a while now, I have had some, you know, quite wacky dreams, Um, obviously the ones that I think often stick with people are the recurring dream, we've had quite a few of those as you say, where people have written in with recurring dreams. and uh But I dreamt of you before I knew I was expecting. I dreamt of this. Uh, uh, I was driving this car. It was an open-top sports car. And I got to the gate, these, this five-bar gate of this very old thatch country cottage. And as I drove this car up to the gate, I thought, I'm expecting, and I'm expecting a baby girl. And um, I didn't even know I was pregnant when I ha- had that dream. And, uh, but when I then looked back, the dream was of my, uh, of your grandparents' cottage in the countryside, of my in law's cottage in the countryside, which was quite, as you know, is a, a typical English thatched cottage. It was quite unique. Yeah. And so that was a particular. Obviously, a dream that has always stayed with me. I've often dreamt, uh, I've moved around quite a bit, as you know, know, (laughs) and uh, I've often dreamt of uh, houses that I've then moved into. I'm particularly interested by the notion of déjà vu, because I think déjà vu is often where... Uh, in dream space, we have almost teleported ourselves. It's a bit like our personal time machine uh, into the future and we've often seen things that when they then happen, it feels like a deja vu. What you've done is you've probably dreamt it before is how I feel about deja vu me too um yeah, and so the house I live in now by the sea uh in the in South England. I dreamt this house. And so when I walked into this space, I, th- I remember the minute I walked through the front door, I knew I had come home. And I felt, I thought, I've been here before. And it felt so right. I thought, oh, yes, I dreamt that house. Um, and so and uh, we once had a house, a family house in Switzerland, and I remember dreaming that particular house Uh, and seeing it very distinctly well before uh, I even thought about having a house in Switzerland that had had come up. And so those are the sort of prophetic, almost sort of déjà vu, sort of psychic type of dreams. Uh, If you, anybody who is interested in retreats silent retreats i've done several as you know several retreats
0: hang on and hang on she space. just she just washes over that like this is the woman okay <laughs> pause here this is hilarious okay this is the woman who like sends herself off to the desert to go and be like in the desert, in the Sinai desert, silent for weeks or for like two weeks. She also um, goes and stick her, basically, um, sticks herself in this like, you know, in these outhouses and and uh, and goes on silent retreats. Like just her, like washing over. Yeah, you know, I go on these silent retreats. It's like. Uh Yeah, okay, not you not the average silent retreat that people go on, but yeah, carry on.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> you, right, just you can't said be that. going to a desert for a silent <laughs> retreat. Right, stop not, not most people's average. Do you know what? I think I'm going to go to the desert and go and be in silence. It's just hilarious. <laughs> I should say that I'm not alone. I is, guys. <laughs> but i mean any guided retreat whether you're in a desert or in a shed somewhere <laughs> in a, uh, there's a there's a a, a, commu- a psychic well a spiritual community that i belong to there is somebody is part of the community who does retreats in their shed in north london <laughs> near Tottenham Hotspur's football ground. And uh, the shed has become quite famous because, you know, you could be anywhere because once you're on retreat, you're travelling, and it's very much a dream space when when you're on retreat. But the dreams you have are a bit like pandemic dreams. They are so intense and they are deeply symbolic. And they are all part of the transformative process that you're going to go through as part of your retreat. So, yeah. So, in many ways, we're all stuck at home. We're all on a retreat. Prison. Right. <laughs> it might not be silent, but we're all having retreat dreams. <laughs> right.
0: Completely. It's all again. We're back in that space of slowing down. And and yeah. I have you know I've been talking to people and and they've been saying that their intuition is stronger now because they have the space to notice and for their body to actually process the intuitive information and that they are now like, oh, because I'm not rushing around from A to B, I'm actually feeling
1: more connected to my intuitive self. And it's the same with the dreams. Yeah. There's something about, again, back to the the image of the radio dial there's something when we turn the dial down away from our busy lives and we start tuning in literally and metaphorically to that dream space that psychic space that sort of that space of meditation when we're there when we give ourselves permission to go there it is rich with creativity and, uh, and, and change. It's, it's such a powerful and beautiful space to be in. And if we, and for a lot of people, it's the first time that they're really stepping out of the busy, their busy lives and realizing that this space is so powerful. And I would urge anybody to think how, what it feels like and how can they incorporate that into hopefully your daily life this is where meditation becomes really really important and i'm not talking about just being a sort of transcendental medita- meditator where you sort of zen out but just sitting with some of the powerful imagery that might have come up for you in this time like You know, Nats and I are talking about uh, looking at eagles and things like that. Well, that is our private language, but we know that when we see an eagle, something is happening. We are then connected into this very, it's our private symbolic language, but we are connected into something that is transcendent, something that is bigger than us, spirit, spirit the divine whatever you want to call it it is it's part of that more important connectivity into spirit yeah the healing spaces
0: yeah very very much so and if um people are listening and they're like oh well i don't remember my dreams and i mean i've shared my own (laughs) things but for you what do you if someone's like i want to cultivate a deeper dream practice um what Would you recommend? you know, obviously right now people are dreaming more, but when things, um, you know, as things change and things open and we're not on lockdown, uh, how can people cultivate more of
1: a practice? Uh, There are lots of ways. Uh, It's Honestly, it's a regular question I I am asked. And I'll be honest, I'm useless. I'm often really bad at remembering my dreams. Uh, And uh, so what I say to people is, Buy yourself, I know it sounds really woo-woo, but buy yourself a dream book, a book that's just for dreams, a journal that's just for dreams. And you buy a pen or a pencil or whatever that's just for dreams. It's your magic pen. And you put them by the side of your bed and you look at them before you go to sleep and you say to yourself, in the morning, I will remember my dream and I will write it down. Or when I wake, I will remember my dream and I will write it down. And so you train yourself. Basically, you're training the brain in sleep to, to, to almost behave for you. But because you're everybody dreams in the in the main. Everybody dreams unless you've got some there's uh, some deeper psychiatric issue. But everybody dreams, and we, it's just that we don't always remember our dreams. And so you can train yourself to then wake and try and catch what I call it's a bit like the, uh, the rabbit in Alice of Wonderland <laughs> down <a laughs> disappearing down a hole. You want to hang on to that bobtail like anything and very often if you could just remember one image, one symbol or whatever or one moment from the dream, if you write that down it's almost like unlocking the rest of the dream and then suddenly more can come in. But even if you only remember one image and one symbol one night it will possibly recur another night and expand into something else so you'll get more of the dream coming back very often I think once we start working with dreams I found this with clients is that uh, I often say to clients look when we have a recurring dream it's a bit like the psyche knocking on the door of self saying hello hello please pay attention to this please this is really important because I think we have The healing, we have the knowledge within, and uh, dreams are just the psyche knocking at our front door just to ask us to, all puns intended, wake up and pay attention to some (laughs) of this imagery. (laughs) You know, so writing them down helps you uh, a remember to get into the habit of remembering dreams but also then when you start looking back you can see some of these recurring images and start asking yourself a little more about what they what they're about um uh, one of my colleagues has just written a book uh, called The Hidden Lives of Dreams. This is Melinda Powell, also from the Dream Research Institute. She's, an, she's originally from California, and she's written a really interesting book that talks about how to sort of record dreams and, uh, again, a lot of what dreams mean and um, what they can tell you about yourself and how they can sort of change your world. And, um, uh But again, most of us have found that it is literally just carving space out each morning instead of trying. If you find your brain is engaging with the world quite quickly, that's what my brain does first thing in the morning. It's a very creative, fruitful moment for me when I get lots of my best ideas and things when I'm just waking up. but if you can train the your mind when you wake to think, no, I will write my dream down first. Or even if you wake up in the middle of the night, that's actually uh, that's the best way of starting to get properly involved with uh, looking at your dream life in a in a more specific fashion. Awesome!
0: Yeah, no, I love it because we. We share similar things. I love it. It's all by, yeah, so I'm just like, yeah, I mean, you yeah. do, you have to, it is having the book by your bed. It is doing the things and um, and being open to the, well, what does it mean for you? In the end, that's what it comes back to. And that's how I also describe yeah. intuitive messages. And not just dream messages, always bring it back to what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? Because in the end, it's your personal language. It doesn't come from anywhere else. You're not having to learn something new. It's all designed by, you know, your life, the symbols, the colors, the meanings that have been created for you in this lifetime. And that's, yeah, that's what it's about.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of research is looking at things like colors and numbers in dreams uh, and also directions in dreams. So if you're going up in a dream, that's actually... A desire somehow to move more away from the material earthbound world and connect with something more spiritual, and vice versa. If you're on a bit of a spiritual bypass or, or, of what's happening in your life, then you might have a lot of dreams that are literally bringing you down to ground in some way. And again, with left and right, these, uh, there's been quite a bit of research in looking at movement in dreams. Uh, colors in dreams I think Melinda's really interested in colors in dreams that she's got as she talks about the the use the cut the development the color blue in dreams amazing uh, which is quite interesting Mm. yeah
0: before we jump into the two dreams that have been submitted oh yes just because lots of people have been mentioning this within the pandemic around dream you know and we started we We mentioned it at the start of the episode around people dreaming about exes or past relationships and why that's coming up now, what what that healing is. I mean, obviously, it is specific to everyone, depending on what they're experiencing. But why does that happen? Like, in your opinion, during this pandemic, why are we going back to school or we're revisiting (laughs) our school friends who we haven't seen for 20-30 years like why is that or you know the ex-boyfriend that you thought you dealt with and you haven't seen for ages but they're appearing in your dream what for you what does that all what does that mean why do we dream about these people from our past
1: yeah, I find it interesting. There's so many different ways of looking at it. Part of me thinks it's because there's somewhere inside of us emotionally, there is something that's unfinished that needs to be repaired. So there's a desire to make good there. But also, I think when it comes to like real old, Loves or school friends, or whatever, we're almost looking for our roots, a desire to feel connected again, uh, that there's something continuous because when we're in times of crisis then we are known world and our known lives are thrown upside down. So I think there's a deeper part of our psyche that wants to feel connected to what it's known and how from childhood all the way through to where it is currently. It's like it's a desire to see a continuous chain because we fear the future. We fear our existence. And so there's something about getting back with what one would call one's roots in some way to give us a sense of continuity when the world doesn't feel very safe at present.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. I so agree. Yeah, it's that that idea of being safe. And yeah, it's interesting you talk about that fear of the future. So it's like, we don't know what the future looks like. So we go back in in our psyche, back
1: into the past because it feels safe. (laughs) Yeah. And in the end, psychologists who are interested in looking at what what gets processed in dreams, very often um, there's a function of dreams is to make life safe. It's, it's, It's part of our survival mechanism. And so we go off and we process stuff that's happened to us during the day, either minor stuff or the major stuff. And it's a way of the psyche making it safe, making what's happened in the outside world safe for the, the sense, the bigger sense of self, the internal sense of self. Um, and then things are, might be reasoned and worked out and problem solved in some way and memory banked for the future. Um, and that's much a lot more about the sort of psychological function of dreaming, and I think... Um, As we see in the pandemic, a lot of us are collectively trying to make ourselves feel safe by touching, uh, you know, trying to get back in touch with our roots and seeing ourselves over a continuous existence of, of time. Yeah,
0: yeah, very much so. And also being shown that, hey, sometimes we don't feel that we Are scared or we're fearful, and it then, you know, hey, you're suddenly getting the dreams where you are seeing the faceless demon zombies and the spiders and the getting lost and being stuck in the maze. And it's suddenly like, oh, yep, showing up in the dreams.
1: Yeah, I found some of the collective dreams, particularly some of the ones that have come through to you, Nat, really interesting because they are very similar, as you say, to you know what we've also received. Again, bugs and uh, getting lost, yearning for people who've been, you know, uh, that we who aren't in our lives anymore. Uh, it, it's fascinating. It's, it is. I mean, the the sort of just a you know, hop back to the sort of people from childhood and old loves and things. There's uh philosophers always saying that th- in one of the theories of personhood is can we track ourselves? What gives us a sense of the, of identity is being able to see ourselves over time and space. that's why photographs are really important because uh you know you it, it helps you see yourself over a continual period, and I think as we're at a time of crisis in this pandemic this is almost the internal sense of personhood just trying to reclaim that chain of existence to make ourselves feel safe
0: mm. and to also hope that we and then also facing our connection to death and then being like and that and that that inner safety element that your life will also keep going yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah you know for for the West, it is not, you know, we haven't faced war for, you know, on our own backyard in the main for, for, since the Second World War. Uh, suddenly in the West, this is on our doorstep, it is invisible. We've all probably, one way or another, had a pandemic dream. I had a sort of classic alien pandemic dream where I could see the world and it, the world had like a ceiling on top of it and there was this hole in the in the in the sky for one of a better description there was this sort of spaceship and then there was this bug spaceship so it's a spaceship that was like a bug that climbed out of the hole and then seized the hole so everybody left inside were the people left inside the world as such and uh, when i i mean the dream, the dream as dreams do rambled on to other areas um weirdly enough it involved a psychic friend who was in my first circle she was she popped up but um uh but the dream was a classic sort of bug pandemic type of dream with aliens and spaceships and creepy crawlies right Hey, I've been seeing so many memes. It's like, well, it is
0: 2020. If you write down everything that's happened, who knows, we might get an alien invasion. Anything's possible this year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, well, the the old... Sufis would say that um you know this is this is the dream we will you know the other side what you and I Nats would call the other side is the reality and we spend our life in a dream world to only hopefully one day wake up to reality uh the true spiritual reality right uh, that's a very old old concept but uh completely this is the dream so anything could happen (laughs) yeah what is
0: the dream oh gosh don't you I've just had a flashback to you uh Sunday dinners with you posing philosophical questions like that well you know as a kid age now you know eight or nine being told by your mom well is this a dream or is is this real or is it a dream and you're like um uh I don't know I haven't really gone there and it's just <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor kids yes
1: yeah, so that's sort of philosophical a philosopher, philosopher side of me, where we, I was always intrigued in the in Descartes and the Cartesian notion of dreamings and, and what's real and what isn't real. But you yeah, know, it's uh, Yeah hey, is this a projection of our inner mind? <laughs> now, That really is a massive difference in the about- space. <laughs>
0: right, hey, but in the end, all of your learning, you know, and how I've we've been brought up as kids you know, shapes me now for what I'm doing and listening to you talk and how the things I share. And it is, it's just, again, that, that um, you know, the ancestral thread between both of us of, of, you know, doing, doing the same. And we've, we, we received this as a message when I was like 16 in a circle, you two are going to be doing the same thing. And now looking back, <laughs> um, here we are, uh, um, you know, yeah. and, it, and it is, it. it you know, yeah. different aspects of it. But in the end, you know, your knowledge and how you, you know, brought me and Ray up and the things that you shared with us then ma- has massively formulated how we live our lives, how we see the world and the work that I'm doing now. So, hey, it's all, it's all connected. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of really proud of both of you, actually. You know, I think the work you're doing, thats is really wonderful. And uh, to be able to make uh, what was once very taboo very, very accessible to people, I think, is fabulous. Because the more all of us uh, understand that our intuitive functions is just as important as any of our other senses, then... And not be frightened of it, rather than you know, instead of shutting it down, allowing its space to breathe and dream <laughs> is really important as part of creating us as a whole person, rather than these functions being feared. And if nothing comes, if some, if this comes out of uh, the pandemic world, that we learn to trust the intuitive space more, then brilliant, bring it on. Yeah yeah
0: could not agree more let's get back connected to our intuitive selves within all of this because we're going to need it going forward as the collective shifts and changes that we are going to need these gifts to keep us feel grounded and anchored and back in tune with the self
1: yeah 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 Yeah, keep on the keep on the work
0: (laughs) (laughs) right let's um let's dive into these awesome dreams that Um, oh wow well we had loads of people submit their dreams so firstly thank you to everybody who submitted their dreams like we um yeah we went through them all and these were just two that jumped out that mum was like yep those would be really cool to answer and go through so we're just gonna i'm gonna read them out and then mum, laura it seems so weird to call you laura versus me just saying <laughs> mum's gonna read them out it's just <laughs> laura is going to um and then laura's gonna analyze them or kind of jump pick out the themes that come up and then um is going to pose questions i guess Mum, of you know the things to look out off the back of this dream and these two dreams have been i guess and i'm just getting this intuitive hit to share that even though these dreams are specific to these two people that if you're listening to this you can take elements of this too of how to for you personally of how to like decode your own dreams as well versus like um listening to him um, see how mum does it and so you can do the same with your own dreams as well with the questions and what comes up if that makes sense yeah okay let me i'm gonna read the first one and the first dream is from methia Mathia, it's a beautiful name um, I love the spelling Jeez. of it. So stunning. And mm. I'm going to read out this stream. My husband and I found out that the house we're closing on in a month, brackets, this is happening in real life, was suddenly unavailable, but there was a house next door for sale. So we snapped it up sight unseen. One of the conditions that we'd have to live with was the current occupants for two weeks so we had a strange couple and their pug living in our home
1: and this (laughs) home
0: and this home was old something from the 1940s with a very outdated tiny kitchen The cabinets were a mix of old wood and particle board and the refrigerator was black and short and also around circa 1940. I was in the kitchen and heard something metal tap-tapping on the floor. I looked over and found the source. A winged bug was carrying an old key across the floor. As soon as I saw it, though, it stopped and flared its wings and it grew into something at least a foot tall and wide. I stared in horror, but I didn't run or scream. I let the bug go on its way... Brackets. I frequently don't kill bugs. (laughs) I turned around (laughs) to do something in the kitchen and heard the pug making a ruckus. So I turned around and saw the bug was back to its original size and hitching a ride on the pug's back. I tried to swat the bug away with a towel, but I missed. I tried to find it on the ground and all of a sudden something stung my foot. It had landed on my foot and then I watched it burrow inside it only took a minute before my foot started to inflame and get really bubbly and bloody i knew my foot was going to explode if i didn't relieve the pressure so i called in my husband he whipped out a pocket knife and as i balanced on one leg interesting on one leg screaming at him to cut Mm. before my foot exploded he went in for the cut and then I woke up. She says, "I don't have very, I don't have many vivid dreams, but this one has certainly stayed with me today." Um, yeah, so here we are, Methia. Like, uh, what do you think, Mum? What's coming up for you as um,
1: oh. we talk about this dream? Oh. Uh, Methia, I really. Uh, by the way, everybody, I loved your dreams. <laughs> it was hard to choose, but I, uh, I, I, I really found this dream interesting. If I was working with you one on one, Methia, I'd like to know what 1940 means for you. What happened in your family in that time? Uh, where they were, whether there's a specific significance around the nineteen forty, but there is something about uh, it, it, you. You wrote it twice. There's something about the house. The house, uh, normally in a dream, is representative of self, that as in us as a as our self. As a container uh, with all the different bits of us living inside. And uh, so you were about to have a new self, but you're now stuck with the old self, which I find quite interesting, uh, which is you and you decided to uh, take on a, a, a self that's not been seen before, which has a sense of uh, transformation. But in this very old, archaic self, 1940s, don't know if there's a connection with the Second World War and your family specifically around that. Undoubtedly, there probably is, which was the last time we were on like a form of lockdown where the world was as it is now. There was a sort of global war of kinds. And you've got this bug. Uh, what I also liked about the dream was you had a pug. <laughs> and I like the play with pug and bug. Um, and pugs have particular. Childlike faces, which is why they're very popular psychologists have thought that pug dogs are very popular because they look like babies, the baby face on them and there's something obviously about the bug is like the virus and whether and it's attacking you but I like the fact that the pug takes it away as part of the dream now for an asclep for this asclepian uh imagery, the dog is quite important because the dog would be a symbol possibly of the healing. That was available uh, because the pug is making a noise and the bug is on its back and so there's something about the dog and, and this bug I don't know if you have a pug, <laughs> uh, but uh, but um, anyway uh, I like the dream because you've got the virus in arguably in the bug shape And it's attacking her. And in the dream, she's living out the fear of the bug getting inside, i.e., the virus getting inside. Um, And there's uh, uh, so it's quite rich. uh, And that's just like a quick top line interpretation. Uh, On a sort of one to one basis, I'd be really interested in uh, the scene with the husband cutting. Uh, cutting the bug out with a pocket knife. Yeah. Uh, And always the other thing that I, uh, Mathiah, that I would ask you, particularly if we were working one-on-one, is what was the feeling that you woke up with? Because that's often really informative. The sensation that we, when we wake up from the dream, that stays with us, actually can tell you as much about what the dream was about for you as the uh, the symbolism of the dream itself. So I'd be intrigued as to. Um, what was the emotional state you said it stayed with you I noticed yeah and it stayed with you and I wondered how it stayed with you and how you processed that emotion during the day and what other dreams so if you were keeping a dream journal then the next dream would tell you how you possibly processed during the day the previous dream. And so the imagery builds up. Mm. Lovely. Very interesting. I really uh, um, thank you, uh, Mathiah, because um, it's uh, got a lot of the current imagery that's around um, in there. It reminded me of my creepy crawly spaceship (laughs) that crawled (laughs) out of the earth. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) And for me, it was interesting. the, The image that keeps bringing up for me is like, the winged bug with the carrying the old key across the floor of that like yeah that old image of the key and if I don't know when I see it I see it like this old metal key and it's interesting as you said about the old self and that the bug and the virus is like blocking you from getting the new house but also um that it's like stopping you from letting the old part of you like
1: Leave as well. Do you know, like healing the old part of you, like the the bug was yeah. the bug and the key yeah the keys a really interesting image and if i was working with you one to one bethia i would go in on a, on the waking dream technique this sort of lucid dreaming technique and ask you what the key meant for you and we could work with the with the key did it open the door to the new house did it open the door to the 1940s house that you found yourself in i don't know it's uh, uh, the key you know is the key to the dream <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's a uh, it's a very strong image. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It's so funny, <laughs> yeah. and the and the winged uh, bug. Where every time I read this this, I, every time I've read this this dream, I keep seeing it like a scarab, like an Egyptian scarab. Yes,
1: I do as well. Exactly, it reminded me of oh, I can't remember the film where there is all the Egyptians where the the bugs all do fly. In. Is it Indiana it Jones? Flies, uh, is it
0: in Indiana Jones? um or the mummy like or the, maybe that, yeah. it's the mummy the mummy could...
1: that's what it is it reminds me of the mummy <laughs> and uh, but yes again scarabs you know very very powerful ancient symbol for the uh, for the egyptians
0: and mm. so uh
1: and i wonder what it what those symbols mean for you um, Mathiah, actually, before we even, you know, we sort of delve into some global interpretation <laughs> of these images. Uh, at the end, Mathia, what does it mean for you? Yeah. Thank
0: you, Mathiah. Yeah. Great dream. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, okay, the second dream that jumped out is from Audrey. And Audrey said about her dream... I have had two dreams involving boys visiting me and giving me messages. In the first few weeks of quarantine, I was experiencing awful body aches from stress. Before I fell asleep, I asked my guide to heal my pain in my sleep. In my dream, a boy, brackets, young man, insisted I remember his name was Hugo. Um, she put the Spanish <laughs> word for juice, question mark. Ironically, from, it's Hugo, but he has said it, Hugo, as he would being Spanish. Um, anyway, um, she then goes on to write, "'He even showed me how it was spelled. Love it. He held his hand over mm. my stomach and said, "'I cast you out. "'Get out. "'You are healed.'" In the dream, I knew I was healed and when I woke up, my body was in considerably less pain and I was able to relax for the first time in over a week. A few weeks later, I had another dream. This time, it was a much younger boy, like a child. We were running a race and he threw a ball and it rolled under an evergreen tree. He laughed mischievously and I realized he wanted me to look under the tree and he said, look for the hidden fruit. When I lifted up the tree, I found tons of different kinds of ripe fruit. The boy told me his name was Coral. When I woke up from both dreams, I was struck by the sense I had met a guide. Before these dreams, I had only met one guide in a guided meditation. My spirit guide is a shape shifter. So I'm wondering if my guide just shifted for me or if I met two new guides. Any insight you have would be appreciated. What do you think, Aww. mom?
1: Oh, Audrey, I love this dream <laughs> uh, because uh, everything I said earlier about Asclepian dreams—dreams dreams from the, the Greek ancient Greeks would have would would use for healing—this is one of those dreams because it has uh, the young boy that's come to visit her as part of it, and he told you her name, his name, which made me laugh because Hugo was the name of my first. Ghost guide. When I was at school, I was about, I suppose, seven or eight, and this I was often because I was a talkative child. You wouldn't guess that, would you? As a talkative <laughs> child at <of> school, <laughs> and the teacher made me sit by myself. So I used to sit with Hugo. Hugo was this kid that would come and sit next to me, and of course, he was. I. You know, it was a ghost, but sometimes he would answer the questions and whatnot. And so I liked it because it reminded me of Hugo, and I just wondered if spirit was playing between us. That uh, it was quite, it was quite definite. If, if uh, psychically, your dream was wanting to speak out to me, then Hugo was a great way of of, of capturing my my attention because that's part of my private dream language and so I thought that was quite interesting and uh, but very often um, in the dream world in the Asclepian cure centres they would dream one of the figures that I talked about earlier on like the snake or the cockerel or the young boy Uh, and in this dream he actually puts his hand on your stomach you actually dream the healing and as you say you woke up and you felt a lot better and then he came back uh, to make himself quite clear that he is a guide. He's a he's he could be he's a dream guide, but as you yourself are, are ask, could he also be a guide outside of the dream? And uh, I would really urge you to work with it. He's given you his name, Coral. Call him up and bring him in and see when you go into that sort of meditational psychic space. I don't know how you work, but if that's how you work. Call him up and see what he has to say because he's very much made himself. Uh, the, the younger boy has very much um, made himself present. I like the evergreen tree. It's a very powerful, you know, sim- symbol of everlasting, you know, the, the greenness of life. Um, and the uh, and the renewal of life, which fir trees often can represent, lots of other meanings as well. And fruit, you know, the dreams fruitful and uh, is also um, has a great feeling of hope. Again, I wondered what you felt like when you woke up from both the dreams, because that can also tell you um quite a lot but i i chose the dream because the dream because it's very much a a wonderful example of how the ancients would have dreamed to give themselves healing um the touching of the body very very important as part of this yeah. it reminds me also of when i was doing some research uh uh again using the ancient techniques like the Asclepian techniques. I had uh one of the people on uh the retreat weekend that I was doing that time. Uh, she's got a PhD in her in her field, so and like me, very precise, likes detail, wants more, you know, wants proof of some kind. And uh she came because she was she knew me and she wanted to help out, but she came very very sceptical. And I wanted her there as my sceptic. But she dreamt about the god of Schleppius and the god of Schleppius took her to a marketplace in her dream and took her around the marketplace and showed her all the food she needed to eat to heal. And when she checked the dream in the next day, she was blown away by it all. And she said, wow, he—I all the things he told me I needed it was exactly what I do need to eat in my life. She said she was, he showed her the things that were wrong in her body and what needed healing and what type of food she needed to eat. So... I mean for her who was looking for something significant, it couldn't wow. be more precise. That the God himself turns up and shows her in the marketplace what food to eat to heal. Wow. Um, so yeah. And so Audrey, I really like this dream because uh A, there's some uh it's a wonderful example of how language can work psychically between you and me. Um and also uh the young boy in the dream showed you what you needed to do for yourself, and uh so again, as I said a wonderful a wonderful example of um how the ancient dream techniques worked wow, so, so powerful <laughs> right I just love yeah. it, and it just, is phenomenal,
0: yeah, and just to have those dreams that. Yeah, it's uh, all by divine order, all by divine plan that those dreams come through as well. That, yeah, and that you get to, you know, hey, and that the Ashlepion techniques and the ancient techniques um, come through for us to remember and for us to share on the podcast episode that this is ancient. This is an ancient technology (laughs) that that is powerful and transcends time.
1: Yeah. And the more we connect with our dream world uh, and the more we work with our dream world and and the intuitive space that it also harnesses, the more we can look after ourselves and be, and be aware intuitively.
0: Yeah. And heal ourselves, like with Audrey's dream and the, the yeah. dream that you mentioned um, earlier with your friend and the food that we can get amazing intuitive guidance and messages to help us bring into our lives the things that we need to thrive
1: Mm. yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. it's such a massive subject uh, you know just you know i just feel we're just skimming the surface because obviously people have been looking at it for thousands of years and now a lot of universities who have uh sleep labs uh, and can connect up the brain and look at brain waves and things, and you know particularly REM and non-REM sleep. There's a lot of more the, the neuroscience. Instead of being clearer, is becoming even more complicated because they realise that it is. It's you know it it it's such. Um, uh, we know very little about it. Uh, that that's the other sort of the the other key aspect of it. Um, I was actually I there was a a f- really really interesting story in the UK um, Sunday Times today because we're recording this obviously on uh, uh, not. I know you go out the transmission dates later, but we we are recording it on a Sunday. And in the UK Times, uh it actually might not have been today, it might have been. I'm trying to find it now, actually. Uh that there are they're developing a sleep glove. Uh I'm just trying to find the details of it. They're developing a sleep glove in it to help people uh to help track people's dreams a bit more. Wow. And uh just trying to find it now while I'm talking but uh, a sleep uh, just, glove uh, a sleep glove it's uh, it's called a sleep hacking glove that can track your dreams uh, and it's been uh, it's basically it's uh, it, I, I, well I don't fully know it's it's been developed by MIT Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology uh, and they've got uh, a dream lab there. And uh, so they're trying to uh, create wearable devices that can tap into the subconscious when people fall asleep. Uh, so that's uh, a bit you're scary. Just, uh, go and Google and find out yeah. a bit more about it, but. Uh, Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, interesting. They, they've called this device Dormio. Really. Dormio. <laughs> dormio, uh, uh, which is designed to boost creativity by tapping into the state of semi-consciousness, uh, which is in that sort of area between that we were talking that loose, often lucid area between wakefulness and sleep. Uh, it's called hypnagogia. That that sort of that yeah of dreaming, and uh, so again. It's it's to enable people to tap into their creativity, like as I said at the start, like Einstein or um, you know Einstein McCartney or Edison or... or Mary Shelley or yeah. whatever. Because again, you know, it's uh, it's it's stepping into a consciousness. It's stepping into a fundamental part of us that where we leave this world and we go to something that's more universal, whatever you want to call. Of you want to call that, which is a you know a, a, a bigger space. Wow! Yeah.
0: Thanks, mom. This has been awesome to chat. We could talk. We could talk about. There's so much more to talk about
1: on this. It's um, such a massive topic. Oh, it's a huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just re- I just remembered there was one other person, another dreamer. That I mean, if you're looking for something that's more current, that makes me laugh is that James Cameron, the director of Avatar dreamt all of that he saw Avatar the film in a dream and he'd been playing with it for a long long time but he first dreamt it all which I think is really remarkable Wow! so harness the creativity of your dreams particularly some of these pandemic dreams because they're not there just to heal your fears and worries and concerns about whether you're going to live or die but also within that within the sort of collective archetypal aspect of it all is some really creative material which you can use to heal yourself in many different ways
0: yeah and if you're a writer save that imagery and start using with it or a musician or you're looking for some new lyrics (laughs) <laughs> time to tap in awesome yeah, you know or yeah. new new technical devices or things that you're being shown at this time that's gonna help the collective post-pandemic in any way yes it's a time to tap into that creative uh imagination flow yeah yeah yeah
1: start your dream journal now <laughs> yeah
0: right start it now mom how can um people connect with you i know that you've got um a dreaming event where you're helping people um and in um connect to their dreams doing kind of like a uh, a live re- at home retreat tell me more tell you know what have you got coming up and how can people connect with you So,
1: yep, I'm looking for 12 dreamers. I can only have 12 uh, to work with me on uh, an Ashlepian dream technique. retreats and where we'll we'll play with some of the Ashlepian dream techniques I've discussed. So going back and dreaming like the ancients and incubating dreams and seeing what comes up. So we're going to do that for a weekend. It's the last weekend of May. It will be done on GMT time. So it's going to be uh, run on Greenwich Mean Time, London time. so if you're outside of that it would be interesting to see how we could accommodate it it might be that uh, if we have enough interest we'll do one for uh european gmt dreamers and another one for uh for north american dreamers but uh so that's one. We were actually going to run it and all come together and have our and build our own abatons and do it in London at the, in July. But obviously, when things have gone, we've had to uh, right. look at doing it in a different way. So we'll all uh, be together for the weekend, but working from our own homes. We'll check in our dreams together. We'll do all the things we would have normally done on a dream retreat, but uh, we'll do it in our own homes. Eat together if we want things like that. So we're forming a group. So I'm looking for twelve dreamers who want to take part in that. And also, um, I do occasionally offer, obviously, dream therapy and uh, dream interpretation. Uh, and you can contact me via my website, which will probably be on the I'm sure show that's notes. On the yeah. Show notes. Yeah. Uh, but that's laurapain.co.uk and yeah uh, my email uh, you know contact details are there uh I've put together a list of people that i i work with um over a period of time or uh, on a uh, on a sort of one off uh so contact me uh through the website is probably the best way amazing amazing. Thank you, mum. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's
0: been fun. (laughs) Right? This is like, mum's an ex-journo, so for her to be interviewed by me is also like, this is is all like very surreal on lots of different emotional (laughs) levels. (laughs) It is. <laughs> oh, oh, classic is like role <laughs> reversal, and also because you know, people who have been listening to this podcast for a while, I talk about you regularly, like talking about oh, tips gosh. and techniques and things <laughs> that you've shared. Yeah, like so now they get to hear your voice. Um, you know, oh, it was done, you know, you were the one that took me to my first ever psychic circle, so you know, you started, yeah. you were part of starting this journey. <laughs>
1: in more ways than one in more, yeah exactly yeah
0: in the womb and out of the womb
1: <laughs> Classic. well it's been a real pleasure and uh, i love listening to your podcasts I, I i often listen to them in the bath actually <laughs> but, uh, uh, anyway it's been a real pleasure and uh i hope that it nothing else you know it helps you all you know do what nats asked you to do wake up to your intuition and know that sometimes our way into our intuition is through the dream space and it's it's a very powerful place to be and i wish you all really well during this particular crisis and that uh something that you find something for you out of it at the end of all of this Mm, Yeah.
0: Yeah, finding something for you, however small that
1: is, and whatever it is that is that comes up. Yeah, that gives you meaning. That helps you find meaning during this weird times that we now live in. In the end, something that makes you feel safe and has brought value to your life. Mm, yeah. Thanks, Mum. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the episode with my mum. If you are interested in any of the resources that she mentioned or her at Home Dream Retreat head to the show notes because all the information and all the links are on there we would love to hear from you any thoughts or anything that came up for you during this episode so share your thoughts on our, my Instagram i am natalie miles or on my mum's Instagram which is at onefulness and if you've enjoyed this episode please give it a rate and review on Apple iTunes, give us a five-star review and share your comments. Also, I've released some more dates for Sacred Guidance Circles in May. And one of them includes a Saturday date and yes, some different times so that you can join from different time zones. So if you are looking for some guidance and some messages right now, join a sacred guidance circle. Um, I channel an overview message for the group. I then um, channel a message for everyone who joins. Plus each person gets to ask me two questions. So if you are looking for some guidance, head to the website and you can find out all the information there. Plus we have got some other special online events that are going to be announced over the next few weeks on the podcast. So yeah, watch this space. I will be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.